Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. Joining us this week is our good friend Eddie Provident. I'm Tyler. With me as always is Smitty. Before we get into the show, let's talk about our socials. You can follow us everywhere at Around the 412. You can also subscribe or follow the show wherever you're listening to this podcast, as well as subscribe on YouTube. We're posting some shorts on there, trying to grow that up. Now, we've got a couple GoFundMes to talk about real quick. The first one, we're talking about Rocket Around the 412. It's year five of Rocket Around the 412. We've raised over $20,000 within within the first four years, been able to help 30 kids over 13 families or so. And the whole mission is to try to raise money to help some local families that are ha- struggle around Christmas time to provide a Christmas for these kids that Smitty and I never really had to worry about where it was coming from. Um, so you can check that out in the link below. It'll be in the link description of all shows on Twitter or, or YouTube and on all the Spotify, a- Apple, everywhere else. And as well, it's the pin tweet on Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, and then you can go to GoFundMe.com directly, and you can just type in "Rocket Around the 412," and you can read about the mission there. The second GoFundMe is actually a recipient of "Rocket Around the 412" for this year. So the GoFundMe is called Isla Keen's Future. Um, little over a month ago, tragically, Dalton Keen passed away, and his daughter was left behind. But there is a GoFundMe to help with her future fund, so she's not left without anything. And so currently right now, I think it's over like $35,000, which is nuts. But we're trying to get some more awareness on that and trying to get it as high as possible to help her out with her future. So if you, that will also be in the links of the descriptions for the show, but it's also on GoFundMe.com. You can search Isla Keen's Future. That's I-S-L-A-K-E-N-E apostrophe S, future. And then you can read all about it there. I was curious as to how you were going to do the intro with uh, with Eddie joining us, but I appreciate that there wasn't too much added. It was just our friend Eddie Providence is joining us. Let's move on now. Pretty much. <laughs> you, didn't, you, you didn't mention uh, viral BTS cover sensation. That's right, viral Korean <laughs> sensation. Uh, I don't yeah, even. I, I don't think it. Tyler knows about that. No, I don't oh, know what you're talking oh, oh. about. Oh, oh man, okay. we'll we'll save it for maybe towards the end of the show. Okay. <laughs> Um, real quick, we want to mention, uh, we don't talk about the pirates a whole lot with it being the off season. However, you know, with winter meetings and the hot stove is starting to heat up, they did make a move, um, in speaking of Korea in this show. Yeah, there you go. Great segue. Uh, G man Choi, actually a name that people might recognize coming over from the Rays to the pirates. Uh, he's a first baseman. Uh, his, uh, OPS has been over 750 every season besides 2020, the shortened season. Um, May of last year, he suffered an injury that probably hampered him the rest of the way because he kind of fell off. Uh, he's actually undergoing surgery this offseason to deal with that. But, I mean, he's been a productive player throughout his career, career WRC plus over 115. Um, to give you a number that's average, 100 would be average, so he's been above average player. Um, the Pirates have been in need of first base help for a long time now they've basically been looking for a solution there my entire life um so nice to see that they've at least made an attempt to find somebody there i don't think that hopefully this isn't like their big move of the offseason this is the first of a few um but you know i don't know with them when they hold a town hall and don't tell anybody about it i don't think that i'm too encouraged by where the pirates are as an organization the the only thing encouraging to me with this is that uh, if you look at his his stats, you look at uh, Choi's, you know, like his spray pa- uh, charts and everything. Um, he is a dead pole singles hitter. And yeah, so with the shift, with the shift being banned, I actually think that we, you, you probably see a little bit more offense from him. So, um, 
I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm at the point with the Pirates where I, I don't really just show me show me on the field. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> this is all uh, great. Know, show me. Well, that's that's the thing is, and they can undo a lot of this. By the way, if they were to like trade Brian Reynolds, right? Because then mm. all of a sudden we're having like the same conversation we've been having. Which I don't years. think they will. I mean, I, see, I don't. I don't. See I started it. out the off season like when last when this past season ended. I thought like there's there's no way they're trading Brian Reynolds. Like I think that they they're gonna put a stop to the constant selling and it's finally t- time to start like building towards something. But then like Ben Sherrington talks and like, I know actions always speak louder than words, but I really didn't care for the way that he answered some of the stuff regarding it. Um, you know, saying like we have control of him till 2025, not necessarily saying anything about like a desire to extend him any further. It's just like, we, well, we have him until 2025. Um, you would like to see him say, like, we plan on Brian being part of the long-term future here or something along those lines, like he did with Key Brian shortly before they extended him or like he's talked about with O'Neill Cruz. So I don't know. I don't necessarily I, – I, I lean on the side of Brian Reynolds still being a pirate, but I just hate that this is even, you know, in the air. Yeah. He might be a pirate this year, after this year, or even at the end of this July. We don't know. Yeah, I, I think that this is the year where they have to show some type of improvement or he would be moved. Um, because if, if, again, we're talking about like a hundred, another hundred loss season, I mean, first off, if that's the case, tear it, like just start over from upper management down. Um, cause you can't change the owner obviously as much as, you know, we would want to. Um, but seriously, like if there's still no signs of progress here this season, uh, I would trade Reynolds at that point. If it's another hundred loss season, we're just going to limit talking about baseball next year, like once a month. We're, we're changing our name. I wouldn't be we're able to handle it for, especially in the months of like June, where there's nothing happening with uh, any of the other sports. I, we're, we're, I don't know what we. We're going to change our name to some of, some of the four one two. Yeah, or or you guys could just stop being liars and just be around the seven two four. Yeah, we can preview Beaver County High School football at that point. I'd rather do <laughs> it that. Would than be, talk it about would be. It would be better. It would be Wait, better. Real, real quick. Uh, Eddie doing some photography work Friday. My yes. high school. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll be, uh, I'll be out there shooting uh, Chartiers or not Chartiers, uh Central Valley versus uh, versus North. Jeez. See, this no, is what Central Valley. This is an absolute disrespect to <laughs> right. get from somebody from the 412 to the 724 guys. Okay. Central Valley disrespect. versus TJ Thomas yeah. Jefferson at North Allegheny. I will be there with my camera, uh, taking some shots. I'm no Ben Tenuta, but I will, uh, <laughs> shout out, <laughs> shout out Ben Tenuta, but I will be there with my camera, uh, trying to capture that game. So that'll be a semifinals um, matchup, right? Correct. And the only reason why I'll be there is because West Mifflin got dogged in the quarterfinals. We did not. Uh, we we did not advance. That's okay. We, My alma mater didn't either. Well, you're uh, Ambridge, right? No, I'm Beaver. No. Beaver. Jesse Marshall is Ambridge. Oh, okay, okay. There you go. Beaver's even worse, though, isn't it? <laughs> uh, at football, no. No, I just mean in general. Oh, in general, maybe. In general, no. Says the it's guy from Marshall. Hazelwood. um all right let's move along let's talk about the Steelers game because we're actually excited to talk about this Steelers game uh they defeat the Saints 20 to 10 uh I was there with Sarge so no Sarge's Steelers notes this week I know everybody's gonna be disappointed about that I think this is the third time this year we haven't gotten Sarge's Steelers notes but do you want to know the good thing about that he's not done them three times they're all three Steelers wins there you go 
So yes, we don't need them anymore. <laughs> so, or get Stars Steelers notes. A uh, couple returns in this game. TJ Watts obviously returning his first game since week one. We see Demonte KZ make his Steelers debut, play 100% of snaps. I thought had a really nice showing. 24 hours prior, we find out Mika Fitzpatrick's not going to play due to an appendectomy. And it was kind of like, well, what's this mean for the safety rotation? Does Trey Norwood start? And we see KZ and Edmonds kind of like – playing that strong safety slash hybrid linebacker, dime linebacker role between the two. Like, how's this going to work out? But it was those two as the starting safeties. KZ plays 100% of the snaps. And I want to start with him because obviously we know TJ Watt's impact. But what did you guys think about DeMonte KZ's Steelers debut? Tyler, I'll let you. Uh, I thought it was impressive. I mean, for his first game back after his injury, I didn't know what to – really expect out of him at least in, in that type of role I didn't know how much he'd play snap percentage wise he ended up playing 100 percent of the snaps and then in terms of just being up to game speed and everything I didn't know what kind of player we were going to be getting just because he had been out since the beginning of the season since the preseason mm-hmm. but I, I thought it was a great showing I mean he did have the pick as well and uh, I, I thought that he did really well and, and this makes me more excited for what we were talking about we didn't end up getting to see it but whenever we get Minka, Edmonds, and KZ all on the field at the same time. That makes yeah. for an interesting, interesting defensive back room. Um, the, yeah, I, I think it was a great showing in his first game. Yeah, one of the conversations I had uh, earlier this season with with it was actually closer to training camp with Chris Carter was the you know it seemed like uh, Terrell Austin wanted to run this three safety look or at least have mm-hmm. that in in the bag of tricks and. Yeah without having KZ all season, it just, and this is no knock on any of the other safeties in the room. They just don't have the horses to run that because you kind of need to rotate. You know, you, you want to have Trey Norwood involved with that as well as KZ Edmonds Minka. you want all four of them kind of, you know, doing their thing. Um, so to see KZ not only play 100% of the snaps, he gets a pick, he has four tackles, um, you know, a pass defended. He, he, he looked like he didn't really miss a beat. Even though he's coming off, you know, IR and you know, being hurt for, you know, the first basically half of the season, um, yeah. I really liked what I saw from him. I, I liked the comfort level there. It looked like he was communicating well with his teammates. Uh, and now, whenever Minka does come back into the fold, assuming everybody stays healthy, because they seem to have had the injury bug all season, but assuming, you know, they do get everybody in that defensive back room, I think we're going to see a lot of coverage schemes that we haven't seen all year, and I think it's going to really confuse offenses, uh, which is going to help that pass rush. Um, and it and with T.J. Watt back, uh, you know, you've already got Highsmith being the beneficiary again, AFC Defensive Player of the Week this week. Um, it's not a coincidence that, you know, he has three sacks in the first week of the season with T.J. Watt on the other side, and then he's AFC Player of the Week when TJ Watt comes back, that's a problem for offenses to block both of those guys. They've got to pick one and they can't block both of them, it seems so far. So now you add that other layer of what are they doing in, in coverage to confuse things. That extra quarter second that a quarterback has to wait and look around, it's going to cause some problems. Yeah. I agree. I, I think real quick, going back to the three safety thing, we saw that in the preseason. I know a lot of people had an yeah. issue with the amount that we saw the starters play in the preseason. But I think looking back now, because we saw the injury to Watt and the injury to KZ, we're kind of thankful that those guys did get the reps then because they weren't able to get them yeah. you know, throughout the, the early portion of the season. So it's good that they have some familiarity from running that stuff in the preseason. Um, and yeah, when Minka does come back, what they're going to be able to do. Pete, we talked about it like 
going a couple weeks now, once we knew KZ was going to be returning, this is the path to Robert Spillane not being on the field and passing downs is when you do have Minka, KZ, and Edmonds all being on the football field together. We've kind of been clamoring for it. Also, like Miles Jack being active technically, but not playing a single snap on Sunday, probably attributed to Robert Spillane playing 100% of the snaps. And he he made some plays in the run game and obviously that big fourth down stop on Andy Dalton, but he was getting picked on by Jawan Johnson in coverage. He got caught having to be covering Alvin Kamara a couple times. That is what it is. But um, going back to TJ Watt, obviously now, Eddie, we'll start with you for this one. You were kind of talking about it, obviously opening things up for Alex Highsmith. Uh, you you would imagine Cam Hayward's production is going to see an uptick here in the coming weeks. But everything that he does for everybody else, along with like he can take on those double teams and still win, you were talking about how the coverage is going to benefit the pass rush, but how about the reverse side of that too? I think that that's the reason the Steelers don't invest as heavy into their their cornerback room is it's because they they're built been with that pass way rush. for as long as I can remember. Yeah, uh, even the Dick LeBeau days. I, I mean, they were they were blessed to have Troy Polamalu on the back end, and mm-hmm. and I you know guys like Ike Taylor. But really, aside from from that, they never really had that like you know top tier. Joe Hayden landing on the lap was the closest yeah. thing. Yeah. Right, right. And and I even but again going back to the the two Super Bowl wins, you know, Ike Taylor, I I think was, you know, right below that top really? tier. But yeah. yeah, they didn't have the uh, you know, the guy that you could just put on an island, right? They always played the pass uh the coverage through the pass rush. Their goal was always get to the quarterback as fast as possible, and that's going to make the lives of the defensive backs a lot easier. Because they're not going to have to play in coverage for four and five seconds and six seconds, uh, they're going to you know two three seconds and then that's it. Bang, it's done. It's over with. So if they could play in coverage quick, if they can get up, if they can disrupt routes, if they can do those things to kind of throw timing off, they're banking on their their edge rushers and their defensive linemen to go go ahead and make a play. Uh, we saw this team struggle with that terribly without T.J. Watt. I was of the opinion that one player shouldn't make that much of a difference on the defense, but I was wrong with that. Uh, we saw this is a completely, completely different defense with TJ Watt in and with TJ Watt out. I'm not saying that the Saints are a great offense by any stretch of the imagination, but they could not do anything on Sunday. I'm shocked that they scored a touchdown. They crossed the 50 twice. And it was That's, both times it, they scored. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was about as good what did i say 189 total yards of offense was was i think probably i mean they had yeah, like less than 30 rushing i mean it, it's Camara. it's what we thought this defense could be coming into the season it's the highest paid defense in the nfl if it's healthy there's no reason that it shouldn't do that week in and week out and yeah, that's you, guys... you know i'm just that tj watt is the obviously the big part of that and I, and i think <clears throat> I didn't even realize how big of a part of it he was until he was gone. We've said the same thing on here. Like it, it they go from a top five unit to like a bottom seven unit, w- whether he's yeah. in the lineup or out of the lineup. And it, it's crazy to think that one player does have that much impact, but he's the defensive player of the year for a reason. And I, I somehow think that we were even underappreciating that fact. But on Sunday watching him, did you guys feel like, okay, he hasn't missed a beat? Did you think that you were seeing the same? TJ Water, are you like... I think, still, I think he's still. I think he still got got some rust to knock off. Okay. I don't. I don't think we saw one hundred percent TJ Watt. I think maybe eighty five, ninety percent TJ Watt. But I still think he's got. You know, he's got a little bit that he can knock off and get back and get. You know, be better. 
I, I think so as well. And I think part of that plays into when he got hurt, which was game one. He, yeah. he, he out of that, I mean, TJ Watt for as good of a player as he is, it takes a little bit for every player to get up to full regular season speed. He gets injured in game one, gets knocked out for like a month and a half. And then we see him in this game. I still think there's a lot of rust to come back, but just to go off what you, like Eddie, what you were saying, like, sure, the saints aren't a good offense, but, but the Bengals, which we saw in week one, they are. And what we saw from that defense in week one, I (laughs) get it. It, It's, it it, it is, it was the first week of the season. So everybody's going to be rusting, including the Bengals offense, but having five turnovers, the effect that TJ Watt, what he had two and a half sacks in that game himself. Mm -hmm. I I think, I think that, yeah. And I, I think that he is making such a big impact. It's like, I'm trying to relate it to just to something else. Like it'd be like Sidney Crosby, not being on the Penguins. Now, I get it. It's a little bit different with hockey, but I just think it's that much of an impact when he's on the ice and not on the ice with Sid. It's the same thing with TJ in this defense. It is a night and day difference, and it just makes a factor that teams didn't have to worry about for a stretch of like eight games or so. It was easy to look at this front front seven for this defense and be like, okay, we can work with this. I have a hypothetical for you, too. I have a hypothetical for you, too. Mm -hmm. Let's just spitball here say the Steelers go on a run all right and they finish the season uh what would nine and eight ten and seven all right Let, let's just like hypothetically say that happens mm-hmm. and TJ Watt has his regular TJ Watt numbers for that time period is he defensive player of the year again because I don't see how he couldn't be I, I, I don't if think you so. see I what say... his team could, couldn't do without him yeah and then you see oh they're 10 and one with them or they're nine and one with them nine and two with them how do you say no to that i i would i would probably say no not not personally for me just because i think the voting looks at more than just the most valuable player to the their team they're just going to look at totals as well and even though he missed a good chunk of the season and proportionately to, to how many games he played his totals could be great I just don't think the voters are going to. So look could at that, that be a way. situation of maybe like an MVP versus Defensive Player of the Year thing, or you just think nah? Well, since the MVP is not going to go to Defensive Player, the Defensive Player of the Year is going <laughs> we, to be the. We defensive can make MVP. the case for it, but yeah, I, that's yeah, that's the thing. I'm it, not saying that's going to happen. By the way, I don't think no, that this yeah, team yeah. is good. I don't think this offense is there. I think there could be a later. strong argument for it, especially. I mean, this is a heck of a long shot, but if, if they got to that point and actually made like made the playoffs. Then that that would be something that you could definitely have a Playoffs. strong argument for, and, and and especially I think it also depends on how good does the offense look at that point because a lot of people could probably say oh if the offense is improving then how much is the defense actually making? But if they that keep much winning games twenty to but ten keep, and seventeen, that's the thing. Three, if they yeah. keep wake, if they win games like they have, then it's hard to say the defense isn't winning you the games. And TJ has clearly been a big part of that. And what I was going to say was we were talking about the passing game and how much it helps the secondary. I didn't realize how much an individual player like TJ on the outside was going to help with the run game. And maybe the Saints are just really bad at I, running the football. But I, I like Alvin like, Kamara, man. Like that's they, they should be that should be their bread and butter. Right. And I, I didn't I didn't think like, oh, this outside linebacker being out is going to be what is hindering the run game. But I mean, you saw the, a major difference because that was like an Achilles heel that just gashed the Steelers for several weeks this season without TJ in there. And he yeah. comes back and they have that performance in the run defense. And I, I think it's just a night and day difference. I hope it shuts everybody up that thinks that, that tries to say that he's a one trick pony. 
that he's just an edge I rusher. Thought, he's just a he's just a, a a quarterback pressure guy. I really hope that this starts to shut that up. I thought that's why I asked you guys the question about what how you thought he looked because I thought he was better as a run defender than a pass rusher on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, with you. Eddie, I want to go back to a point that you said about how they won this football game. This Because I think going into the season, this is how the Steelers envisioned they would win football games in 2022. Like, this was the blueprint for them, how they were hoping and how they felt they needed to win football games, play really good defense. I think they thought they had to have a top five unit to do so. And then being able to run the football. We saw them run for over 200 yards in this football game. How beautiful yep. was that to see? Um, you know, Najee First Harris time and since Jalen Warren. Was it 2015, I think I saw? or 2016. Yeah. yeah. Right in between the two years you said. Yeah, 2016. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but <laughs> what? so I, I think that, you know, James Daniels had a really good day. Mason Cole looked like he did at the beginning of the year before that foot came into play and his play had started to drop off a little bit. But, I mean, across the line, there were, there were holes that were opened up. Najee Harris looked as good as he has all year. Jalen Warren made a lot of plays in the passing game, too. I think he's a better pass catcher than people were giving him mm-hmm. credit for. And then Kenny Pickett, you know, he's got 88 rushing yards over the last two weeks. I think that he's found an element to his game that, we knew was there now maybe you don't want him to tuck and run as quickly as he has and just get away from and not go through his reads um and and Tomlin actually talked about that a little bit in Tomlin Tuesday but um to finally see them have a run game like this do you guys feel like this is like the Steelers in this football game found out what their blueprint is going forward I think so and one thing that I think I was relieved to see was Najee actually just put his foot in the ground and move forward that that's to me has been his biggest problem this season. And I've talked about it on the show. I feel like relentlessly and not saying that Jalen Warren was the better back, but Jalen Warren was running as the type of running back. I wanted Najee to run as, and I saw that this week, he didn't really do the dancing around. He just put his foot in the ground, went North and South and look at the result you got. I, I think that has been the biggest problem. And I know the injury happened early on in the season to Najee's foot, but over this course of the season, I can't keep holding that injury for him accountable if he's not going to as well. And so what else I'm gonna I'm gonna push back. Is- I'm gonna push back on that a little because back in my former my former life when I was in the locker room, one of the questions that was asked of him when I was in a media scrum was, you know, about that injury. And he had talked about having the metal plate in his shoe and how right. much that was bothering him and how much that was affecting him. Um, and I know that if you're on the field, there's not supposed to be any excuses. But when you have a guy that has the agility at the size that he does and you put a metal plate in your shoe, you're going to lose a lot of that first step. You're going to you're going to move lose some of that quickness and that that like um that little jitter that he has that he can get quick, you know, he can hit that first uh, that foot down and go. You're going to lose a little bit of that. And and he he well, it's been two or three weeks now plus the buy where he hasn't had to deal with that so now he's finally we're seeing Najee hit full stride so he's not going to use it as an excuse Tomlin's not going to use an excuse no one's going to use an excuse in that room but if I'm being realistic you can't expect him to be 100 in that situation I think this week this past week was finally the first time that we saw Najee because we saw little peak you know little bits of it you know, here and there, and, and uh, not so much in Philly, but in, I, th- I think in Miami we saw a little bit of it. Uh, but this was the first week we really saw Najee going back to what he was last year. Uh, if the offensive coordinator, coordinator could just learn how to freaking use him um, and get him involved more in the pass game, that'd be great. But I guess that's another conversation for another time. 
We are when, talking post. When, did post they, play, when was the play nice. where it was the, the play that he stopped two yards and just danced for a second and didn't that get That was Philly. in Philly. Yeah, that was Philly. That was Okay. So yeah. to me, that your foot's not bothering you then. That's mental, the bro. difference. Mental, man. Yeah, but but if your foot's not bothering you and you don't have confidence in it, that you're gonna you're gonna make stupid decisions like that. Well, it was a stupid fine. decision. It but, was mental. Well, that was that a, wasn't it was a very physical. Stupid decision. But, but to me, if it's he's the same thing with Devin Bush, not a problem with that. Right. I, but if you, I'm not, but look at Devin Bush last year. You can't watch tape on Devin Bush and say that there that he was fully confident in that knee. Right. Now I'm not saying that Devin Bush is what we all want Devin Bush to be this year, but he is a different player this year, and he has confidence in that knee again. It's the same thing with Najee on a smaller scale. I think it took him a little bit of time to be confident with his foot without the plate and the support to finally start doing the things that he knows that he can do. This week we saw a confident Najee. I, but like, so my thing is all this aside, all this aside, the vision issues. And it's not like healthy Najee had issues. With yeah. His vision yeah. That, that's, that's a given. Yeah. There's no, there's yeah. no argument there. So like, I mean, in terms of, of what he's dealing with, with his foot, and I don't think he's going to be a hundred percent this season, like regardless mm-hmm. of him be saying he's going to be a hundred percent. I don't think he's going to be a hundred percent, which is why the, you know, the Jalen Warren effect is so important. Him rising up to be what he has, because obviously you weren't getting that from Benny Snell. You weren't getting that from Anthony McFarland. They weren't able to find running back production every time that they took a guy in the middle rounds. Um, but but with Najee, it just seems I understand that the, the foot could be causing some other stuff in his head because he's trying to overcompensate and stuff like that. Maybe the trust still isn't there with the offense. I mean, Tyler line. knows all about overcompensating, so he should be able to understand this. <laughs> I also know about foot injuries. I have them all the time. Oh, yeah. I remember the days walking back from from PNC Park to the casino. Those were rough. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I think that people have already made up their mind who they want to place blame on. And they they lose sight of the fact that there's enough blame with this offense to be given to literally everybody, um, which is why I want to then move on to to Matt Canada, because I thought actually on Sunday he called a pretty decent game. Uh, Derek. Bell yeah, 20 points. Thing. Great, I mean, great game. But Kenny, uh, but listen, Kenny left at least 10 points on the board in the first half, and also they missed two field goals. Okay. So they should have scored over 30 points in this game. Yeah. Okay, I, hold on. But, but before we even talk about it, I just want to talk about the field goals for a second. Why the hell did we we get rid of uh, Skiba? Nick Skiba? Why? He had to go back for, to singing for Alkaline Trio. For, 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 <laughs> uh, that's Matt Skiba, right? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, I'm pretty sure his name's not Nick. Yeah, but no, Skiba made his two field goals and he made his two extra points in the game that he played against the Eagles. Why did mm-hmm. we get Matt? That's Wright? why. Better yet, so because... better yet, when when we needed the kicker, why didn't we just go for Dicker the kicker? Yeah, he uh, he's, he's kicking in, for the Chargers he's now. In LA, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so every, they when they get rid of Skiba, everybody's like, "Oh, Boswell must be doing all right. He's coming back." No, he went on IR. Uh, he's going to miss th- at least three more games. We'll see what happens from there. But I don't know what made them want to make the change. Obviously, they were familiar with Matthew Wright. He spent time here over the course of the last couple seasons. Um, but it's not like you know he offers an upgrade in terms of leg strength, as we saw. I mean, that's never really been his strong suit. He did nail a 59-yarder for the Chiefs earlier in the season, but he's always been like the the more accurate kicker has been his thing. But if you're talking about accuracy, Nick Steba was like a 91% kicker in college. So I, I don't know what the thought process was. But he never was. missed an extra point in college, right? 
No. And, yeah, and you're talking that's... about, and you can't just make it. So there's only one way that they could get out and Tomlin already addressed this. And it's going to be Matthew Wright going forward. But when you sign a guy off of a practice squad, your 53 man roster, he's got to spend three weeks on the 53 man roster. And you're yeah. obviously not going to have two kickers there. So the only solution would be to bring, bring Nick Stiba back onto the practice squad, elevate him on consecutive game days now for two straight weeks, and then have uh, Matthew Wright as a game day inactive which they're, they're, they've already said. It, that yeah, you. it's it's not going to. Yeah. So uh, but to answer your question, no idea what like made them. Well, want that's to make that that's why I tweeted it out. I was like, can someone who is either more in the know or smarter than me explain to me why? Yeah, I it, it kind of shocked me when I saw it, too. But, I, you know, I, I still look on Sunday again yeah. because he missed the kicks. Yeah, But here's the thing for me, man. I, I'm just not like I don't see anything that makes me go yeah i'm excited about this offense even last like like yeah the, the 200 yards rushing is great but i mean i i want to see it's you know like naji and and the guys in the room always talk about stacking bricks all right show me this week against cincinnati like like put up 30 points against cincinnati this week you know like actually use like here george pickens uh rushing touchdown look at his catches and his you know his receiving yards for this week not that great Use freaking George Pickens. He's the best athlete on that freaking offense. Use him for once. They're not using this guy. He well, should be offensive rookie of the year with the skill that he has, and they're just not using him. They're not getting him in open field. They're not getting him down the field often enough. One game is not enough for me. I'm sorry. It has to happen. Like They've got to start using their weapons. It drives me nuts that they're not, and and Art, just uh, Matt Canada is a. I'm sorry. He, now that I can say this, he's a complete freaking idiot. Yeah, well, part of the problem, I 100 agree with it. But again, you know, when we're talking about like trying to find just one issue here, Kenny Pickett uh, is is the reason that a lot of these plays aren't being made as well. I mean, very first play of the game, he's got Deontay Johnson wide open, 75 yard touchdown, easy. Doesn't even look yeah. his way. Throws behind George Pickens, which even that could have been a twenty-plus yard gain if he hits Pickens and throws it behind him. So th there's a lot of offense being left on the field right now, and it's not. Just but they're not the putting. I, I've been saying this since since the day Kenny since his first start. They're not, and I even said this with Mitch Trubisky. They're not putting their quarterbacks in situations to be successful. Like they're they're not. The, Matt Canada is not designing plays to to make his quarterbacks successful but, quarterbacks. But on the very first play, we got three options for him to throw to because Farmuth was all – he literally had th three guys that he could have thrown to. One would have been a 75-yard touchdown, a 20-yard gain or a 15-yard gain. He throws behind the 20-yard gain, and it's an incompletion. Hit one of the three throws. All right, but that doesn't happen often, okay? That's that's one play in one game, okay? I, I, I know that I've seen – I've yeah, I've seen it on the all-22s. Derek does a good job of breaking these downs with Kenny. I'm not saying Kenny is not to blame. What I'm saying is when you do things that – like when you run – okay, so they, they'll they do the end – I call it the end-around drive killer, right? They'll It'll be second down and nine. You need to get some yards. Instead of passing the ball, they do these end-arounds where they run up the gut again. They do something stupid like that. It's just bad scheme, bad play call. Now you're in third and seven, third and eight. It's tougher for your quarterback. Now he's got to make a throw. He's got to go downfield – Rather than making it third and three, third and four, try to you know try to get your quarterbacks in manageable situations. Matt Canada is not good at that. Matt Canada is not good at creating manageable situations for his quarterbacks and his players. And that we've seen it for two years now. The difference is 
Ben Roethlisberger, even though he was at the tail end of his career, was able to figure things out in the fourth quarter and finally just say, you know, it's screw it. I'm taking over. Kenny doesn't have that experience. Mitch Trubisky doesn't have that experience or skill. You know, I, I just at some point in time, you need an offensive coordinator that knows how to make a game scheme that works. And you and I have had that conversation, Smitty, off yeah. air. It's it's not even play calling. It's scheme. It, it just well, it I, all sucks. So more so than play calling itself, my biggest issue has been the route concepts. And yeah. I guess that's where I'm drawing a little bit of positivity from here from this game is because watching it back, I, I, there was a ton of open cool. guys. Do it against Cincinnati this, now. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not letting off the gas on this until I see it two, three, four weeks in a row. When I start to see it consecutively, I and I start to. See, Go ahead. The season. I was saying I don't care if it happens the rest of the season. I'm still getting rid of him. My point yeah. is that it's just the offense as a whole, uh, really. And and I thought that there was some progression in the area of the offensive coordinator last week, and they could have scored 30 plus if the quarterback was better in the first half. That's all I'm saying. All that true. Matt Matt Canada is still a bum. I agree. Always going to be a bum. Send him. Like- also, real quick, because I want to get a temperature check on Kenny Pickett himself. Uh, we're kind of already kind of like segueing that direction anyway, but uh, I don't know if you guys saw the stat. Um, I, I believe it, yeah, quarterback rating in the red zone for all quarterbacks in the NFL. Like Kenny Pickett is yeah. last by about ten points, uh, so it has not been good when it gets into the red zone. But again, that so if I'm looking at Matt Canada and really like dissecting what I, I mean, it's obviously all bad. But like my biggest things have been the route concepts on his plays and the red zone play calling because it doesn't seem like he has any answer for NFL defenses inside mm. the 10 yard line. And you, like I've seen so many times where there's like only one guy running a route or something like what what are we hoping is the result here? Um, so I, that is where I I agree as a whole that Matt Canada is not putting Kenny Pickett in good situations, but specifically in the red zone. It's been really, really, really bad. Yeah. Tyler, what do you think? The two idiots have been talking for too long. Um, I don't. I don't have much to add. That's why I've been talking. I mean, <laughs> I, I think the entire thing's bad. I think you have a poor offensive line overall that doesn't really help your quarterback or the running backs. I think you have a bad play caller that doesn't really put your get your players in a great position on the field. And I think you have a rookie quarterback that is going to make some bad mistakes. Now, granted, I mean, Kenny was the the one that we said is the most likely or most ready to NFL ready to start right away out of the rookie quarterbacks. That never meant he was going to be good right away. I think that's a high expectation. I, to, I think to they were also good. banking on Mitch Trubisky not being, you know, Smitty back there. Basically, yeah. I mean, he wasn't Smitty. He's over six foot. <laughs> <laughs> it, is he, though? Yeah, but mentally, you, know, you, you know who they need? Speaking of, they, they need to, to play Zachy Smickett at quarterback. That That's who needs to be. I don't know if you saw that, it. Did that, you see that you picture? Know what? Nope. That's going to be the thumbnail for the, for yeah. the video. Zachy Smickett <laughs> needs to be the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes. I Again, agree. Tyler's clueless. Will you just not on social media anymore? <laughs> no. What do you mean uh, on Twitter? Pretty much. Um, no, but go okay. To a, go but, to a tailgate or something, dude. Kenny Pickett as a whole. Uh, wh- where are you guys at with him? Like, obviously, I think his best half of football came in the first half of football that he played this year against the Jets. And while I understand, you know, be, being a rookie, he's going to go through some some lumps and the offensive coordinator stinks and playmakers haven't made a bunch of plays for him. The offensive line's not quite there yet. Where are you guys at with Kenny Pickett? Have you seen enough to still be like, where are you at with him? 
I think he's fine. I, I like we are in this culture of rookie quarterbacks got to come in and perform day one. Uh, look at what Troy Aikman did his first year. Okay, look at what Terry Bradshaw did his first couple years. Like Matt Stafford, Matt Peyton Stafford, the league in interceptions is yeah. Year. Peyton Manning, right? I, I am not concerned. Like my the last concern that I have on this offense is Kenny Pickett. Give him a year or two to get things figured out. All right, give him a year with a competent offensive coordinator to get things figured out, and then we can have the conversation. Is Kenny Pickett the problem? He's not the problem right now. I don't see him. You know, he's not the one missing blocks. He's not the one. You know, he is, like you said. No, he's he trying when, to throw a block on that yeah. one play. <laughs> and like Smitty said, there are times when he's missing receivers downfield. But this is the NFL now. There's a difference between NFL open and college open. All right, he's going to miss guys. It's, this is this is a part of the maturation process. I'm not worried about Kenny Pickett at all. I'm seeing enough things that he does. I'm seeing enough athleticism out of him that I think that he can be. I don't know that he's going to be, you know, another franchise quarterback like you know Ben Roethlisberger level like we've been used to for the past 18 years. But I don't think that he's going to be a bust. I think he's going to be a fine, solid quarterback in the NFL for a decade. I, I think that's what we've got with Kenny Pickett. Athletic Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins? I actually uh, was having this conversation with somebody on Sunday. Um, athletic poor man's Drew Brees. Hmm. Although Kenny's over six foot. Drew wasn't. No, but I see a lot of the like he's not a big guy. Like uh, I mean, yeah, he's yeah. he's not you know he's not what you you typically see in a you know NFL quarterback. He's not a six four six five you know you know tall dude in the pocket. He's he's six two six three, generously. Um, you know he's accurate as hell, and I, I think that he's a very cerebral quarterback. I I see I just see a lot of similarities to to Drew Brees when I see him, and I you know that's just me. But I, I think he's going. He's not going to kill you with his arm. He's not going to throw the ball sixty-five yards down the field. But you know, he's going to be accurate. He's as he begins to understand defenses in the NFL. As he has an offensive coordinator that, assuming, schemes things up for him to be successful, he's going to be deadly in you know that intermediate and, and throw guys open. We've already seen it his first couple of weeks. I saw a huge difference in how he was throwing guys open, throwing the spaces to let them run more. Uh, in ta- the game against Tampa, he did that a ton. I-, I was really impressed with how he was doing that. I think even in his game against the Saints, you saw a difference in the first half to the second mm-hmm. half. Oh, yeah, I without mean, a doubt. That, that's, that's what you want to see from a rookie. But getting back to the offensive coordinator thing, I brought this up um, a few times. I don't know if I brought it up on here at all, but like looking at um, none of us want to see Matt Canada come back. Now, he is under contract next year. Does that mean much? Not necessarily. They could still get rid of him. They could fire him, pay him for next year, even though he's not going to be here and still bring in somebody else. I think it is a like people are throwing out all these names and very few of the names have been somebody that has experience developing a young quarterback and has called plays in the NFL already. I think that those are two musts for the next Mm -hmm. offensive coordinator, because obviously Tomlin, his strength is on the defensive side of the football. He's been a head coach for a long time. Obviously, he's going to have a hand in the offense, but the next guy kind of has to be, in my opinion, closer to one of those like offensive gurus that you're seeing hired as head coaches now. Even if it means we're only going to have this offensive coordinator for a year or two, he turns Kenny Pickett into you know, a, a fran- let's throw the franchise quarterback thing around, a franchise quarterback, and then he goes somewhere else because of what he did with Kenny Pickett. I think play calling and working with quarterbacks in the past is a must. 
I you're not gonna like what I have to say. Okay. I think they they need to make Mike Sullivan the offensive coordinator. Hmm. Why's that? He's, he's had success as an offensive coordinator. I wonder um, what he's doing with the Penguins. <laughs> there he is. There it is. See. Um. No. He he's he's had success. Um. Uh, he I believe is um, that's what he does. He's the quarterbacks coach right now. Kenny knows him. I don't think anybody on that coaching staff knows Kenny better than Mike Sullivan. I think that there's a trust level there. He knows, you know, he, he knows what this organization is about. I generally don't like the hire from within strategy, but in this particular case with a young quarterback where you're looking for somebody that that there that you know, there's a relationship there. We're talking about turning Kenny into a a a veteran, you know, solid quarterback over the next few years. Mike Sullivan's already got everything that we're looking for. You know, maybe he's not this offensive guru like uh like the dude over in Miami, uh Mike McDaniel, but he's he has the relationship with Kenny. And I think that he's a better offensive of uh, of mine than Matt Canada. Um for as big as Matt Canada's head is, there's not really much in there when it comes to offense. Uh Mike Sullivan there were already rumors that if people, you know, if, my, if Matt Canada's offense kept sputtering the way it was for that three or four week stretch, that the uh, play calling was going to get turned over to Matt Can or uh, Mike Sullivan. So there, there's already rumblings that that could be the next thing. Anyways, I just say give it a shot. Um, I, I think that you know, with the relationship there, there's, uh, I, I think that's the way to go because I don't see anybody right now that, other than Frank Reich, but we know that's not going to happen. I don't see anybody that I'm like, yeah, bring him in to, to run this offense. I okay. I don't know. Who I'm trying to find go. Be. I'll say you can you can because I'm trying to find here um, what his offenses have done in the past, just out of curiosity, because um, it looks like he's only been he's been around a little bit, but as an offensive coordinator, it was just yeah. I, I was wrong. He was he was he had success as a quarterbacks coach because he was Eli Manning's quarterbacks quarterbacks coach, right? <coughs> Excuse me. But they were so with the 2012 Buccaneers, he was there with Gray Chiano. Yeah. Uh, and they were 13th in the league, which is about league average. But then 2016, when he was the Giants offensive coordinator, um, they were 26th. So yeah, he's had success as a quarterback coach. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that some he had to have obviously called plays when he's the offensive coordinator at those stops because that would have been with, like I said, Gray Chiano, who has the defensive background. And, and he also well, got a Super Bowl ring with the Giants in yeah. uh, Super Bowl 40. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, 46. Yeah, that was the year they almost did the they beat the Patriot, the undefeated Patriots, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they he has, yeah, he has, that was uh, what, 10 or 11? Um, 11. So he, he's got a, a Super Bowl ring under his belt. And I, like I said, I just think that, uh, I don't know. I guess at this point in time, I just want to see somebody that Kenny's comfortable with, and Kenny seems to be comfortable with him, uh, and that that's kind of where I'm I'm going with it. Are you saying you want to see uh, Mark Whipple? <laughs> Can't wait, man. No, it's it's funny because like people are throwing that around. I think that would make more sense as as the quarterback coach. I don't want to see him calling plays. No, neither do I. Um, You'd have yeah, Kenny I'm, running I'm to the sideline back and forth every single play. Yeah, the name that I did think about though. Um, 
was Daryl Bevel, who's the quarterback coach right now for the Dolphins. Yeah, that's one um, I didn't. Th- okay, yeah, I'll give you that one. Because he's been, he's obviously been around. He was been an interim coach two different times: <laughs> time with the Jaguars, Dolphins. So obviously, last year he was there um, with Trevor Lawrence in the second half, or once they got rid of Urban Meyer. Um, right now he's working with Tua. You see the leap that Tua's taken in year two. Obviously, um, when you add. Tyree Kill, that's or, I'm sorry, year three. Obviously, when you had Tyree Kill and Mike McDaniel, deserves a ton of credit for that as well. But he's been in that that culture now. He's been in a lot of different cultures. He's called plays. Um, I think that's a name to keep an eye on. I know everybody's going to throw out Frank Reich. Uh, I just I don't think that that's realistic. I think he's going to have a uh, different opportunity. I don't. It doesn't seem very Steelers, but yeah. I, I mean, I I think a lot of this problem too with Kenny, it's the offensive line. I still think the offensive line is not great. I mean, they're they're better than what I expected them to be this year, but they're not, you know, they're maybe at the top of the second half of offensive Did lines you? in the NFL overall. I'm not I'm not like I'm not seeing anything that I'm excited about. Kevin Dotson just looks lost out there. I mean, he has a hip injury, but like he just looks lost. I like um, I like James Daniels. I think James Daniels. Yeah, James Daniels is cool. Mason Cole is cool. That was weird to say. Um <laughs> But like outside of that, I don't really see anybody on that offensive line, and I'm like, yeah, keep them for sure, lock them up long term. Like, th- yeah. there's two guys on that offensive line that I'm that I'm impressed with, and well, I'm using you know, the term impressed lightly. Yeah, we brought up on here. I mean, I'm sure a bunch of people have brought it up, and you might even be able to just automatically know this as well. The last time that they invested a first or second round pick in the offensive line, you know who that was? DeCastro. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about how long that's been since they've made that type of investment. And it's not like they're years, going out. Right? Yeah, years. and it's not like they're going out and finding, you know, like James Daniels every year. Like they need to make some type of investment, whether it is like a high priority free agent or a top that, two pick in the draft. That's why, I, and I know, you know, people hate hearing this, but I'm almost not happy that they won. Oh, I want to. I want to. I want to see them. I, I want to see them go like. Here we go again. Somebody's going to get four and 13 or three and 14 and just absolutely bomb this season. Get themselves a a high pick. Let me finish, Mr. Smitty. I want to see them get a top five, top seven draft pick, trade it back, get an offensive lineman in the middle to the late of the first round and build up some picks. Because if there's one thing I know about this, this scouting uh, room in Pittsburgh, they're good in the mid rounds. Stock up on some picks. Get some holes filled on this team. And like I, I'm tired of this. Well, we've never had a losing season. I don't care if we never had a losing season, man. Like sometimes you need a losing season to hit a reset button. That's yeah, how we I mean, got Ben. That's how the Steelers got Ben Roethlisberger. That's how the Penguins got well, that's not how the Penguins got Sidney Crosby because that was just the whole lottery thing but that's how the penguins got mario lemieux they had the third best thoughts right the uh, point being is like this is how it happens like i this is sports and the way it's currently constructed we don't have the uh the golden draft role so like this is it you know like this is this is what we got stink for a year or two stockpile draft picks and rebuild your team like that's what the pirates keep saying they're gonna do well, they've right. never they've never used the R word. They don't have the courage to say they're rebuilding. Well, there's nothing to rebuild. They're building. But 
you brought up Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger is the reason that the Steelers ha- have tried to continue to push the envelope, even though it was very clear that they were no longer that caliber of team. They kept trying to win. But it was a top 15 pick, man. And Ben Roethlisberger was a top I'm 15 talking, pick. But I'm not talking yeah. about that. I'm talking about the way that they've operated in the last few yeah. years because of still having Ben on the roster. Like, they're never well, and, going, they were never the going to. Is, the, is the he the there past, now? Like the, in the Well, the problem is, I think, your defense is too good. With we were talking about how good they can be with TJ Watt back. Even if you want them to lose, the defense is too good to tank. Put Mitch they're Trubisky going to, at quarterback. They're, they're going to win you games by default. Put Mitch Trubisky at quarterback and see how long that works. Or better yet, here, here, put Mason Rudolph on showcase to see what you uh, let let the rest of the NFL. No, I'm I'm I just like that's what I wish. Uh, realistically, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to get. They're going to have a top twenty pick this year. I mean, I, th- I think that's that's pretty realistic. Um, probably like you know fifteen to twenty. I think they're going to win some games coming down the stretch here, and that's as a fan, that's fine, that's great. And I do think that that's going to help Kenny with his maturation process, and that's going to help him, you know, build some confidence and and do some good things. But like at some point in time, like mediocrity in the NFL just gives birth to more mediocrity. And the Steelers have how, been. Let me ask you this: How many teams have we seen pick high in the draft recently? Obviously, Cincinnati did it, going with from Burrow to the Super Bowl in in one year. But that's not even like a, a process of doing. I'm it. saying, what's recently to you? Like it's always, but no. My point is, it's always the same teams. It seems like you know the Detroit Lions of the world uh, that are picking ja- Jacksonville Jaguars. Those teams aren't turning it around. It, it is the teams that typically pick in the middle and the back end that are continuously being there because they know how to build football teams, even when they're not picking high. So you would agree with me that the Steelers are one of those teams that know, like they're one of those franchises that know how to build a winner. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't okay. think it's going to be a very long. So talk. now put, okay, so put a team like the Steelers at the fifth pick, and what do you think they do with that? But I'm not going to root for that to happen over the football games. I am 100. percent If I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, well, what what does this season matter? Go ahead, attack him like you attacked me a few weeks ago. I like want what? to win every football game possible, just like the cool. players in that locker cool. room want to win every football game cool. possible. Cool. Guess what? It ain't going to happen. But saying it ain't going to happen doesn't mean that I should wish against it. Okay, but let's be realistic here, man. I do. You, do you want to see them win games this season, or do you want to see them win a Super yes, Bowl? I want to see them win every single football game. I want to see them win a Super Bowl. Okay, the Super Bowl is not going to come with the way this team is currently constructed. That doesn't make any sense. Yes, it does. It makes perfect no. sense. There's no this offensive there's no line. This offensive line. This offensive line in the grand scheme. If they got into the playoffs, if somehow, some way, this team snuck their way into the playoffs, it's the worst offensive line in the playoffs. They're not winning a Super Bowl with this offensive line. Okay, Kenny Pickett is going to get killed by the defenses he sees in the playoffs. All right, we may not have Kenny Pickett next year with you know with what those defenses would do to him. So. I want to see them win a Super Bowl. In order to win a Super Bowl, you've got to have a good offensive line. In order to have a good offensive line, you've got to build up some 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 uh, some picks and pick good offensive linemen, or go through free agency, which the Steelers don't really do, other than James Daniels and Mason Cole. So, build your team through the draft, like the Steelers have what always pick was, done. Uh, Pouncey, what pick was DeCastro? When were those guys taken? Yeah, were they top that's five cool. picks? No, they were third. They were all back end picks. Okay, so. right, right. But though, okay, those picks, I thought that was aren't going to happen every year. 
I mean, all right. I'll just I'll just play devil's advocate. Those guys never played in a Super Bowl. Oh, I Pouncey was on the team that went to the Super Bowl. He just hurt. Yeah, they lost. Yeah. This is Pittsburgh, man. This isn't Cleveland. This is all about championships. This is even the about offensive the lines you're talking. Even the offensive lines that have won Super Bowls in Pittsburgh, they weren't good. So talking about the offensive line means nothing historically to the Steelers. Okay, the point is you want draft capital. If your team sucks, you want draft capital. Right now, this team, uh, like the defense is really good. The offense sucks. You want draft capital. Build this offense up. Okay, cool. You can do so without picking the top five. Uh, and I, I think that you're right, but it's harder. So let's so stack the odds them, in your favor. We trust them the draft. We trust them the draft, though. Yeah. So give them a higher pick and, and let them draft. And even also, better. and also, they wouldn't be the, off, the worst offensive line in the playoffs. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers would make the playoffs right now, and they are far worse. Also, I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily trust them to build a good team in the draft, but that's just me. Yeah, you can stay in Utah. Well, no, I, I don't. I mean, <laughs> let, yeah, but you're in the recent like, drafts, though. Because they were going Especially all in for Ben's positions. They were going all in for Ben. Still, they were they were adding. Okay, wait a second. No, no. Players. Let's look at their. Let's look at some of their drafts. I think they hit on Najee Harris. I think they hit on Pat Fryermuth. I, I they they completely swung. They're it. good players, but they, they swung and miss. They swung and miss like crazy on Kendrick Green. I mean, that might have yeah. been the biggest whiff. Mm-hmm. You know, that was that was bad. Um, Dan Moore's been a two year starter. I'm not particularly crazy about him, but he's been a two year starter. Um. You know this this draft, George Pickens and Kenny Pickett. I think that's a great first two rounds. The Marvin Leal. The I, Marvin, Marvin Leal was he might have been the best of the three of them. The way they were using him before he got hurt. Twenty twenty, they didn't have a first rounder. Yeah, they're they drafting fine, and and again, Chase Claypool was the second round pick in that. I thought he's been solid as a second round pick. I mean, they again, he he was up and down. They didn't use him correctly, but they got the second round pick back. So it was, it was a you know it's a moot point. They've been drafting fine. I mean, you're not going to hit on every single draft pick, Tyler, but my point with this is stack the odds in your favor. If you stink for a year or two and you get two top five or two top ten picks, right? they already have the Bears pick now for the second round. They have their pick in the second round that's probably going to be high. If you get a first-round pick and then trade back, I'm not saying use that first-round pick. I'm saying trade that pick back and get more draft capital. Get more magic beans to hit on. That's what I'm saying. And the as, only way to do that is if you stink. As far-fetched as an idea of them making the playoffs is, them trading back is probably even more far-fetched. I think if the circumstance is right, it's not. Bro, we're talking about until the I see it, Yeah, until I see it, I don't believe it's going to happen. In the first round, specifically. That's the thing. We're talking about the Steelers. It hasn't happened in 21 they, years. They're not going to trade back. Um, we need to like, talk. We need to talk about especially hockey. if they're if they're sitting there. No, we don't. At, I mean, you, you <laughs> mentioned like pick number like four. If they're sitting there and one of Jalen Carter, or Will Anderson Jr. is available, they're not trading back. They're no, but in that case, that. I'd be super excited about that. Yeah, but I would be excited that, that's who happens, you're going to be looking at if you get to that spot. Yeah, I'd be super excited, but I'm saying if they're okay, seven or eight. Now what? You know what I'm saying? Like if, if they don't, if they're that's if they're a top the ten pick. So. I still think it's better for them as a franchise to stink this year. I I would I wouldn't even take one of the ta- to be honest with you. That's probably where one of those I, tackles will go. I would. You know what I say? I just I just come up with the best idea. Let Matt Canada run the defense too. 
Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the other Mike Sullivan coach team to wrap things up here. Just a couple notes to talk about. Um, it looks like we're finally going to get what we've been clamoring for. Mike Sullivan has seen enough, and he is going to switch. Uh, well, it's, by the time people are watching listening to this, it might be tonight. But the Penguins and Wild, uh, next game that they play, Rust and Raquel swapped spots. Now, they didn't do line rushes in practice, but by all accounts, uh, Raquel was in Rust's spot. Rust was in Raquel's spot, um, which is something we've been clamoring for. I mean, that top line has had no juice the last few games since that road trip started. They haven't looked like the normal Sid, Jake, Rust line that we were accustomed to. It's really about those duos. We know Sid and Jake are going to stay together. Malkin and Zucker look like the two best players, two best forwards on the team Dude, can right we, now. Can we just right. like uh, appreciate a healthy Jason Zucker? I mean, we all knew, you know, now from a goal scoring standpoint, I don't think that we ever were like, he's going to get back to the level he was in Minnesota, but he, he looks like the player that we had hoped that we were getting when we traded a first round pick. Dude, he's been so good that Tyler's wagging his tail. <laughs> it, that did look like it was his for a second. That was like perfectly <laughs> in the shot. But um, no, Rust and Raquel swapping spots. You hope that this obviously provides some rejuvenation because this has been a one line team for a while now. And we're not talking about Sid's line. Gino, mm-hmm. Zucker, and Raquel have been all this team has had recently. Yeah. It's been tough, man. It's been tough. This team has been hard to watch. They stink. Uh, the, the, the I'm not going to disagree with you, bro. They stink. Uh, I'm not going to disagree with you. <laughs> That's hard I mean, analysis. Listen, here, like my, my biggest concern right now is actually, I, and I've been a, a supporter of his since he got the starting job, but Tristan Jari scares me right now. Uh, you know, I've had this talk with with uh, with with Danny Shirey a, a, a few times. You know, on air, on different shows, and then behind closed doors. Um, Tristan Jari is a goalie that has to be aggressive. He has to get out and and challenge shooters. He has to make himself big, and he ha- he has to be the one that's going out and and bringing, not letting the the shots and the play come to him. He has to kind of go out and, and challenge it all. And he just looks timid. He looks confused. He looks off of his, his, uh, you know, off of his, um, his, uh, come on, man, help me out here. Angles. <laughs> okay. I, 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 I would help you up. I know clue what you were looking for. So. He, he's just I mean, not he been, like he's off his rocker. Yeah. But like, uh, the, the, the Tristan Jari that we saw the first two or three games of the season and what we saw, last season is not the Tristan Jari that I see right now. And I don't know what's going on there, but there needs to be, I, I think it's more mental than it is anything. Cause that's almost always what it is with goalies. It's always something mental. I don't think he's still dealing with an injury because he was fine. The first couple games of the season. Well, I don't think it's the same thing, but I think he is dealing with some, I mean, he said he was okay. And, Ta- and Taylor had speculated that there was some type of minor thing going on. That's why we've seen along with performance more of Casey to Smith recently, yeah. but they also don't have like, I know that they signed um, what's his name to be the third goalie. Uh, what the heck? You're talking about a third goalie. You expect me to know that name. Off the top but of he played against us uh, last year with the Sabres. Tukarski. Dustin Tukarski. Dustin Tukarski. But, yeah. um, they haven't brought him up. Obviously, they have like the cap issues going on and everything like that. Like, who knows? Bluger might have been ready. Yeah, to they they have they, they have right now. Last I checked on cap friendly, they have eight dollars and 42 cents. Is it uh, really on the cap? That's actually hilarious because it was five thousand last week when we were talking. About I, I was it, joking. So. I just I just oh. pulled a number out of my. <laughs> 
I mean, in NHL terms, probably, yeah, yeah, essentially, that's what it equates to, yeah. Um, but uh, yes, I don't know. I actually had goaltending woes on here to talk about, but because it's not just been Jari, like the Smith hasn't been very good either. They're not getting anything in net. It seems like if and the the defense is doing nothing to help them. If the Penguins don't score six goals, they're not going to win. And even if they score six, it might go into overtime. Um, (laughs) So they're getting nothing in net right now. They're getting nothing from the defense. They have one line of offense. It's just been very bad. Is there a path to fixing this? Like, are are we hopeful that they're going to turn it around? Is the answer to some of these things in the AHL right now? Are we going to see them make a move? I mean, I I think the answer is they just tank and go for Connor. (laughs) But. That's just the, what this whole. That's what this whole show is. Yeah, just, just tank, tank I mean, for a higher draft pick. It's a little different than the NFL, but if you can guarantee that we are going to get the number one spot, then by all means, go ahead. No, I, I think um, again, I, I think there's too much talent on this team. I think that if they can get the defensive issues figured out, and if they get, if if Tristan Jari can just hit a reset button, I think they're fine. They're those are the two things for me. I think, I think everything stems from that. I, I think that the offense is pressing too much, which is causing issues, and it's making them um, do some probably stupid things. I, I think if you have that solid foundation again in Jari and a solid defense, I, I think they're fine. And I, I like that's. I don't think it's much more complicated than that to me. Now, you know, I, I don't watch the game like Jesse does or Danny does or anything like that. I don't have the. You know, I'm, I don't have the hockey IQ that they do, but for me, it's as simple as get the goaltending right and, you know, get the defense right and everything will fall in place. I feel good about the prospects of the goaltending getting back on track as well as them finding a way offensively due to the talent that is there. The defense, I'm not so sure about. I'm not so sure that they can find the right combinations because. For the first step is going to be obviously getting POJ back, but I think you need to try him with Chris Letang. With what they have right now without him, I don't know that they have the right combination of players anywhere. I mean, we're seeing Brian Dumoulin play with Jeff Petrie right now. That is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's I, terrifying. I, I just I don't know that they have any combination of defensemen where they can get three good D lines. Yeah, uh, that that scares I think me. Potentially could if cap wasn't an issue. With, with Ty Smith coming up, yeah. Ty Smith up here. That's the thing, because you look at. I mean, not only does your defense they're playing bad, but a lot of them have a, a big number of cap hit. And yeah. the well, one that's the worst of all is like Brian Dumlin. You can't do anything with him. What do you? How you, you can't hide? You can't healthy scratch him because who's playing? But the, at the same time, like healthy scratching does nothing because the cap still has issues. You can't. It's not like you yeah. can bring up Ty Smith. Right. You do that and. and who's going to trade for him or anything like that. So it's like you're in a stuck situation for him. This is where, you know, I think everybody was right to pump the brakes on how excited they were with the moves that Ron Hextall made. Cause there was some excitement over, Hey, Jeff Petrie comes in. He's an offensive defenseman. He really can, you know, he's going to be a lot more of the, um, the even level, you know, that we see like Mike Matheson has a higher ceiling, but you know, his floor is the bottom of hell. So, you know, Jeff Petrie kind of is that we thought he was going to be that steady. Like, you know, yeah, he he's is. never going to be. Yeah. yeah. Um, every, and I heard a lot of excitement about like, hey, Ron Hextall made this movie, made that movie, did this, he did that. Um, now we're seeing the issues with Ron Hextall big time because they're paying, they're overpaying for uh, McCann. They're overpaying for uh, Kapanen. 
I think they're overpaying for Petrie. Um, and just on those three alone, like if, if you didn't have those three contracts, uh, I mean, look at the cap space you have and look at what you can do with that. Um, I, I thought it was as, as much as I liked Jeff Petrie coming in, getting rid of Mike Matheson for a bigger contract than Mike Matheson was one of the dumbest things that I've seen. Yeah, I, I think that they were he was smart to trade Matheson at a high off the yeah, season that he yeah. was coming off of. Without a doubt. But 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 to make not even just like a lateral move in terms of what the guy was hey, making, we'll take more we'll take more salary on. Yeah, I, I I so is you're right though. As much good as he did with bringing back Gino at that number, with bringing back Latang at that number, getting Rust under market value, and even while I don't love the term, the amount of years for Ricard Raquel, I think five million for what he, especially with what he's looked like this year. I mean, without him, I have no clue where this team is. Mm -hmm. um, as much good as he did with those deals, you look at what it left the bottom six like, and what it's doing on the back end. And then you yeah. look at like John Marino flourishing in New Jersey, and it's just it's well, he's come back more. down to earth a little bit. Like he's he's definitely come back down to earth a little. But I I know that he only has like seven or eight points, but I'm talking about like just I, people keep tweeting out. No, uh, I just I just saw something for I think it was from Jesse that like uh, he had said uh, there's the the John Marino that Pittsburgh knows and loves. It might not have been Jesse. It might have been somebody else, but um, it was a graph that kind of showed like over the last few games he's he's starting to come back down to John Marino. Um. Regardless, though, I would take John Marino over Brian Dumoulin. Well, yeah, ten out of ten I mean, times. I would, I would take, take Smitty over the... Brian. Dumoulin. <laughs> I was Look. about to say, I'd take anybody in this room right now. Yeah, like the, the that's the problem. Like, I I mean, like, just you could have found a team like Arizona or or somebody that would just take a cap dump. You're like, Wasn't hey, Buffalo we're gonna... taking on a ton of salary. Yeah, this like at, at what point in time? Like, if you you know you need cap space, and you know you've got these guys that just aren't that good anymore, why hold on to them? You know, and, and I know they, it's they not that about easy. Extension with them. Yeah, I, I know it's not that easy, but like we see this all the time in the NHL. These GMs that are able to do all this cap, you know, gymnastics. Why? Why can't Ron Hextall? He's got every resource afforded to him with the Penguins organization. Make it work. Somebody break his leg with a lead pipe. That way he can go on LTIR, and there we go. They're capping. I thought you were talking about, I thought you were talking about Hextall. No, 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 yeah, no. Brian yeah. Dumoulin. No, <laughs> but, but, but with Hextall, if there's a sniff, I know, I mean, it's, it's rumored that it was talked about, but if an extension happens, he should oh, yeah. be fired immediately. There is yeah, no has... way that Dumoulin should get an extension. Yeah, during training camp, there was some some mention of that. I don't know that it's been yeah. talked about since, but I mean, this is the last year of his deal. I guess that's the silver lining is, you know, if they don't extend him, we know that he's not on the team going forward. But I think that makes it all the more important to find out if POJ is the guy next to Latang going forward. But the problem for me, and this is always going to be the problem for me right now, you have a very small window now with this core. Yeah, we know we know what the window is now. And that's assuming they don't fall off a cliff. You know, they, there's just like, that's assuming that they keep up what they've been doing. You can't waste these years, man. And he's wasting a year. He, he's just absolutely wasting a year with how they constructed this team. Uh, I mean, I, I come back, I know this happened last season, but you let Jared McCann go for nothing. You actually let Jared McCann and Brandon Tanev go for next to nothing. I mean, like you, you can't, 
you you can't look at all, all of these like and as a whole. You can't look at the the body of work that Ron Hextall has done and not like. Thank God I don't have hair because I'd be pulling it out right now. Yeah, I think that's what's going on with me, to be honest. Yeah. Also, uh, speaking of outside the defense, going to the forwards, mm-hmm. Casper Kapanen hasn't played three of the last four games. He's a healthy scratch, and that's three point yep. two five million. Just it's a healthy scratch box. That's next yeah. year as well. Yeah, that's if you're going to look for a hockey trade or a quote unquote hockey trade where it's a struggling guy for a struggling guy, he's a perfect candidate. Would you, Larry? Let me ask you this: Would you do one of those uh, cap dump trades with Kapanen? Uh, let's just again, I'm going to throw out a hypothetical here: uh, Kapanen and a second for the cap space. Like they're just all they, of it. They're not, they're not eating any cap. Then they get rid of the entire, yeah, thing. if they're able to get rid of his entire yeah. contract, would you do like capping in a second and like a fourth for like feet Arizona's fifth round pick or something like that? I think so. Because I think the yeah. biggest issues I mean, is what the cap space. Play. Yeah. What the, what this cap space, what they've done when you invest $10 million into McGinn Carter and capping in this season, what the rest of your bottom six, what you can fill it out with. I mean, thank God they were able to get Danton Heinen back for a million because otherwise I have no clue what that looks like. Um, but think about what that could have could have opened up if you didn't do that, you know, how you could have filled out the bottom six. I mean, you could have brought back like an Evan Rodriguez who went to Colorado instead. Um, you know, there could have been some other things to construct that bottom six as opposed to what we're seeing now where it's like really hard to find any redeeming qualities. Yeah, the bottom six last year versus the bottom six this year is just a complete... I, I mean... It's, even 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 if you didn't sign people with the money you had, I would be perfectly fine seeing guys that are making less than a million, like Drew O'Connor and Valtteri Pustinen and uh, Alex Nylander potentially. Like there's guys in Wilkesbury that I would Poland. much rather see get a chance over the guys that are playing yeah. right now. And and my th- uh, to that point, Tyler, they can't play worse. Yeah, I mean, I guess they could. I mean, theoretically, <laughs> but like. It would be harder to play worse than it would the, be to play better. Either way, if you're going to lose a game, they're already losing games. So. Right. Yeah, it, it's uh, – you know, I, like I said, I, I know we this whole conversation is – you know, flies right in the face of me saying I'm not, like, super, super worried yet. But there are some concerns with this team. And, and again, you know, we go back to what – the same conversation we had with the Steelers earlier. You know, even if this team makes the playoffs – the it's just another first round exit the way they're built. I mean, I don't see them beating anybody in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, the, in order to beat somebody in the playoffs right now, I, I would see the only way I see that happening is, you know, Sid and Gino and Latang just like strapping the team on their backs and just saying, all right, we're going to, we're going to take this, which I think is possible, but it's unlikely at their age. They need the, they need the support and they don't have the support right now. And teams know that. So they're just, you yeah, know, they game plan I mean, for that. Even at the beginning of the of the 2015-16 season that they fired Mike Johnston and everything, they were ten and six to start the season, sixteen games in. That's better than what this season can say. But this, but again, like they're not going to fire Sullivan. This isn't Sullivan's fault. No, I'm not talking. I'm not talking about firing Sullivan. No, I know. No, I know that. But I'm just saying, like in this situation, like in that state. Like the beginning of 2015, before they made all those trades to make that cup run, that team sucked. And they had a better start to the season than this one does. But I still think that that team might have had at least a little bit better talent than this one. 
I mean, this, this Jeff, like right now, Jeff Carter, the way he's playing, you, you would you take him over anybody off of that original, like the the opening fifteen sixteen roster? I would have to look at the opening roster to be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, that team. I mean, because at least you still you had a younger Sid, you had a younger Gino. It was just Mike Johnston's system sucked for them. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. Just, yeah, uh, Mike Sullivan. I mean, you're you're giving them terrible ingredients and saying make me a a five course meal, like, but you're giving them you know a bag of McDonald's fries from two weeks ago. It's just not going to work, you know. Like, and and this and that's what it is right now, you know. Like, we you're could talk about Eddie Provident. That? You're giving Eddie Provident ketchup and saying make your homemade sauce. There it is, man. There it is. <laughs> and it's not even uh, Heinz ketchup. Oh man, hunts! Wow, that's a tough thing to say on around the four one two. Tyler, before we jump off of here, we need the answer. Would you take Jeff Carter over anybody on that fifteen sixteen I'm, roster? I'm trying to find this opening day roster because I'm, I'm, I'm I can look up the roster, but I'm, I don't know what the opening lines were. That's the problem. But uh, let me. Okay. Um. Oh, Sergey Plotnikov. That's a good one. Oh wow, there it is. Maybe I would take Jeff Carter over Sergey Plot. <laughs> and then the, the, I mean, looking at some of the fourth line guys, like Scott Wilson. Hey, you, you know, uh, you know who I would, you know, who I would, uh, you know, I'd keep Josh Archibald. Josh 2015 Archibald. Josh Archibald or the one now? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean. I'm looking at what like about Cal Molyrat? <laughs> Nick Benino is already I, a third line center because we traded for him before the season started. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but you know what's frustrating? I'm looking at this like we could still have Dom Simone. And honestly, right now, I'd take Dom Simone over. You're not allowed to say that on here. Everybody Just... except for Teddy Bluger on the bottom six and Dan Heinen. Yeah. Although Dan Hyde and the Bluger. He's playing with, yeah. He needs to pick it up at the same time he's playing with Carter and McGinn. I know McGinn had a nice little run there. Six games, six points or whatever. But I mean, at this point in time, they might as well bring back Bo Bennett. <laughs> Honestly. I mean, he did a lot of what Kevin's doing right now, not playing. So there it is. At least he had a good excuse. Yeah. All right. We and can go on and make as much money. Name former random penguins all night, but we're not going to do that. We appreciate everybody that's listened to almost an hour and 15 minutes of Steelers and penguins with a little pirates sprinkled in from me, Tyler and Eddie Provident. Eddie, it was a blast having you on. We got to make it happen again. Now that you got a little bit more free time, a little bit more on your hands. I think um, with this free time, I, I might go, I might go do some tailgating this week. <clears throat> all right. Let me know which one you're at. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Tyler mentioned at the beginning the GoFundMes uh, that will be in the description of the show wherever you're watching or listening. This is year five of our Rocking Around the 412 mission. We've raised over $23,000 uh, in the four plus years of doing it. I uh, just recently added that up. Tyler always mentions the number of families and kids, which is great, but that is actually just last year 
those are the numbers for. So just oh. last year helped uh, 30 kids across 13 families, which is obviously great. A lot of those are repeat families, though, so it's like hard to count how many different families have we helped uh, throughout the five years of doing so. Um, so that's going on. Anybody that donates is eligible to win a number of prizes. We got a bunch of signed memorabilia, some jerseys that are wearable. We're also going to have some game tickets available. Every single penny that is donated goes to buying the gifts for these families as well as with what's left over we get them a 100 dollars grocery card to be able to go and get some groceries to provide that holiday meal um tyler and i never had to worry about christmases growing up and our mission is to take that financial burden away from as many families as we can uh during the holiday season so along with that uh one recipient of this year that we know will be isla keen the two-year-old daughter of my late friend dalton who passed away early last month um, tragically and suddenly, along with the burden that is always going to be over that family's head, there's obviously going to be a financial burden um, that has raised over $33,000 so far. Um, I mentioned just to Drew and Joe talking earlier about it. It was so awesome. I went to go look at it just to like give you guys an updated number. And I was reading through some of the comments for the first time and just going through them and seeing what people had to say and all the different areas that people were coming from. Like I, my friend Bree, who's a Browns fan, um, had put it out there for me when I asked her to share it and I was going through the comments and found a bunch of people that were like hey you know Browns fan here hey Clevelander here and you see some people just from like the, all over the U.S. Um, donating to it and it just goes to show you while this like started because of uh, you know obviously a tragic thing it's just so beautiful that people can come together in this way so I know uh, on behalf of the family they're not much of talkers but I, I know that the gratitude is definitely there and I can speak on behalf of our friend group and their family. We can't thank you guys enough for the support that you guys have uh, shown so far. Please continue to do so. The link to that will be in the description of this. One last time, Eddie, we can't thank you enough for joining us. This was a ton of fun. we got to do it again. Uh, but for me and Tyler, this has been Around the 412. We'll see you guys next week.